I think anyone who who grew up in like millennial or further has embarrassing videos of themselves on the internet. Anyway, yeah. welcome to the Common Humanity Podcast, where we're here to have real human conversations. Today, I am joined by Brandon. Um, I know Brandon not at all, other than the <laughs> fact that he agreed to have a conversation with me, which is some of my favorite conversations to have because I have nothing to go off of and it makes me so happy. Um, so what I know about Brandon is that he lives somewhere in the UK. <laughs> and, um, Milton Keynes. It's a place well known for our roundabouts. We have about a roundabout every street. It is crazy. There's about 50 in our in our little town. It is uh that's what we're known for, and that's it. Out and concrete cows. Concrete cows? Yes, that that yeah. If you search up Milton Keynes concrete cows, there is a we have a little memorial statue of concrete cows, and that is the biggest thing in Milton Keynes. So that gives you a kind of a description of how interesting our town is. <laughs> I mean, I live in Wyoming. We have real cows. Um oh, we do have real cows, but concrete cows are such okay. a such a sight to see, you know. All right. So to start this off, Brandon, who are you? My name is Brandon Dyer. I live in Milton Keynes. I am a 25 year old male and my passion probably is somewhere in between music and somewhere in between gaming. They are my two biggest things. I also beatbox and I am going to soon start making my own music. I have a plan and that's my that's my passion. That's what I wanted to do all my life. And I finally said, Let's do it. So I'm going to start doing that soon. That's basically me. <laughs> that is fantastic. Um, If I put you on the spot, would you be able to beatbox right now? Of course. Hold on. Let me get a drink. It's probably going to sound awful because I'm recording on a camera. But... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Little taste, like I'm not gonna lie. I mean, audio cut in and out, but every time I could hear you, I was just like, "Whoa!" <laughs> um, that yeah, is I've been skill. doing it for a couple of years. Couple of years. I haven't really been keeping on it for uh, about three, four years, but I still practice here and there. But it was a passion when I was growing up. When okay, so this is totally selfish of me, but when did you start beatboxing? I'd say I was in school, and I was very. I'm a very fidgety person because the ADHD. Uh, so I always was making noises and I just couldn't keep sharp. So I just kept making noises. And over the years, I started going, hold on, this noise sounds cool. If I can add a beat to this. And then I started incorporating other things like I can do a harmonica beatbox as well. But of course, I can't play the harmonica. If I could <laughs> play the harmonica and actually get the notes right, it would sound great. But that's how it all started. And I think I was about 15. So I'd say about 10 years now. But for about five of those years, I haven't been doing anything. So. I'd say five years of practicing. That is that is so interesting. I have I have an eight year old, and he, I mean, it like kind of has comes and goes, but like every once in a while, he's like really into it, and he's like, check out this this noise I can make, check out this thing, and I'm just like, this could like this could be really cool. Keep going, it's only going to get better. It's going to sound bad at the start. Of the start, oh, exactly. it's going to be like. <laughs> And it's going to sound awful, but if he keeps practicing, especially from a young age, I believe in giving kids the opportunity to play instruments at a young age because it incorporates in their brain and it makes it a lot easier when they grow up and they go, actually, I do want to play this. I do want to do this. So I think that's a really good idea. Keep them going. It might sound a bit awful at the start and it might be a bit annoying for you, but keep it going. That's what I say. Uh, yeah, that's one of those things. That I'm just, because it's something I, I mean, other than the fact that I, also have ADHD and also make random noises, which as a <laughs> side note, what I tell people, what I've told people my whole life, even before I knew I had ADHD, is that sound effects make the world go round. 
So like anytime I'm doing things, I make sound effects with it. When I'm like going, I like have tasks to get done at work and I just like sing my own theme song and people are like, (laughs) what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm doing stuff. And so I need a song to be played. the sound effect. Yes, of course. I throw something and I go, every time I make the sound effect because it's just like you said, it makes the world go around. I completely agree with that. Yes. Finally, someone who's on my level. <laughs> it's like there's there's six TVs on in my brain at the same time. And one of them is playing one of them is playing memes, one of them is playing a TV show, and one of them is just playing random sounds. And I gotta do those. I got one of them's gotta come out. One of them's gotta come out, and my brain's just gonna go. So yes, I do understand that very much. So see mine, and so as someone with ADHD and a musical background, you might also understand this. So I tell people all the time, I have a radio inside my brain. Like, yeah, I wake up with different songs stuck in my head almost every single day. A but few months ago, what? Sorry, is it not the whole song? Is it just a little 10 second segment that replays over and over? Correct. Me. And then I have to listen to the whole song because it's the only way to get the song out of my head. Exactly that. Yes, that's the problem I have. And like sometimes, sometimes it is like a song I've listened to recently. A few months ago, I woke up, I can't even remember what song it was. I know it was a Whitney Houston song. And like, <laughs> like the last hour before I woke up, like it was playing in my dreams and it just, and I woke up like almost singing it. And I was just like, I have not heard this song in like a decade. Why is it stuck in my head? <laughs> and the same so, thing happens. To me. Oh my God. I, I have also this problem where if, something that I recognize from a show's happened, especially Simpsons or Futurama, my brain will go, oh, this happened in this episode this time. And I can't stop it. I really can't stop it. And people are like, what? how do you remember this stuff? And I don't know, because someone tells me something, I forget in five seconds. <laughs> but something will happen and I go, ah, this is this is from this episode of Simpsons. Very weird stuff. Very, uh, very similar. Like, I remember the weirdest fucking things about, like, I can remember an entire conversation that I had with someone 15 years ago, but I don't know their name. Could not tell you their name. (laughs) No. Um, I, like, sometimes it weirds people out, because, like, I'll see someone a decade after the last time I saw them. I'll be like, oh, yeah, no, you like the color orange. And they're like, how do you know that? I'm like, I don't know. I don't control it I don't control yes, it. I just, I go for the ride with my brain. That's what I do. I'm, I'm assuming also you have a, a whole bundle of useless facts that you can't remember. Only when it comes down to the point and you go, oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> uh, it's it's quite annoying. It's The ADHD memory is very weird. It is very weird. But I find it better with repetition. If I repetize something in my head, say if it's a number, I say it five times in my head, I've got it now. And I think that's what it is down to. And that's why at school, when you're doing a single lesson and you've only done it once, you never retain any of the information because your brain doesn't have the repetition of doing it over and over again. Yeah, yeah. totally agree. Um, I'm just trying to like see how many things we have in common right now. So taking <laughs> notes back in high school and college, wherever I took notes, even in like jobs at meetings, I always doodle. And like, I've gotten in so much trouble over the years because they're just like, you're not paying attention, you're drawing. And I'm like, I can literally, I can see my high school, like history notes in my head right now because of the doodles. So like, I don't know. So I, I'm assuming your photographic memory is really good. So say if I, I can go on a two hour walk and I remember the whole entire walk and I can map it out in my brain but a bit of auditory information goes out of my head like nothing. It's all visual. It's all visual. That's why I learn so much better by watching someone do something because I can copy that exact thing. I mean, that's what a lot of ADHD is, is mimicry. Yeah, I, I like, in that sense, I, like, I don't, I cannot tell you what street my friends live on. I cannot tell you, um, no. like, I don't, I don't know the numbers. I don't know any of those things. I know how to get there from various exactly places in town. Yeah, but yeah. if it's dark, if it's dark, I don't know how the fuck to get there because everything looks different. <laughs> you do it from visual little clues. A little right. tree will have a certain divot in it and you'll go, ah, I remember that from that, from that little yes. walk, yeah. But then like, they'll build a new building or someone will paint their house a different color. I'm like, I have no idea where I am. <laughs> it doesn't match the map that's in my brain. 
Yeah, I think it's a really good skill that comes back from when we were, you know, ancestors and yeah. you had to map in different places. But now we have Google Maps. So what what is all this information useful for? It's it's fucking crap now. <laughs> well, I mean, when I go to new places, I use Google Maps once. Like I took my kids to their friend's house one time and like I can vividly see exactly how to get to their house. So like that's probably going to mm-hmm. stay there for I'd say at least Forever. five years, I'll be able to get oh, to that man. house. If they move down the block, I'll have to Google Maps again because, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's yeah, good to know that happened. I'm not crazy or at least I'm not the only crazy one, one of the two. No, 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 no. <laughs> the thing is, I always I always think, oh, I want to be normal. I want to be like everyone else. And then I see how boring other people and I'm like, oh, I like my uniqueness. I like that I'm not like everybody else. I'm a bit crazy at work, you know, especially when I'm not smoking weed all day because that's the only thing that calms me down, calms the ADHD down. But when I don't smoke all day, I'm I'm a different person. I'm a lot more confident as well. That's what I find when I, when I don't smoke. You're more confident when you don't smoke. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I've noticed, because I've been smoking for so long, I've noticed all the, the negatives. And now I've gotten to a point where I can't live without smoking because I can't sleep or eat without sleeping uh, without smoking because it's it's just in my system now. So yeah, I, I wouldn't say smoking weed for ADHD is always a good thing. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Especially if it's good for the sleep, and that's it. <laughs> I mean, sleep is rough. Sleep is rough. Okay, so when? How long have you known that you have ADHD? Um, it's something that I've, I, of course, self-diagnosed. I haven't gone to get diagnosed because it costs money. But um, I'm pretty sure I found out around about 18, 19. I always thought it was a bit different. But I never, I've always been treated normal. I've My mum's always treated me normal. So I've always, I've grown up thinking I'm normal. But it's when I started interacting with a lot of different people and I went, oh God, I'm, I'm nothing like you guys. Like I think completely differently. I feel like an alien. Like I have the imposter syndrome and all that. So, yeah, I think it was around, at least 18, 19. That's very interesting because I like, I always want to know what it's, so that, that imposter syndrome or even that, that idea of like not feeling normal, like growing up and being like, what is wrong with me? What in the world? Like, why can't I, whether it's sit still or why can't I focus on something or why can't I? Yep. Fold my fucking laundry. <laughs> Why can't I clean my room even though it takes five minutes and it makes me feel so much better? Why? What right. stops me from doing that? Or if I want to play something on Xbox, I will just sit and doom scroll for two hours and I go, I don't want to do this. And I'll doom scroll for another hour. And I just get stuck in this paralysis of just wanting to scroll. Oh, man, I hate it. Uh, yeah, I didn't get... So I've been diagnosed now for two years. And I got... Mm-hmm. So first my older brother got diagnosed, then my oldest son got diagnosed. And then I was like, it was actually after my youngest or my, sorry, my oldest son got diagnosed and his doctor was just like, this is Mm. genetic. Here are some, (laughs) here are some things that could help whoever may have given him these genes. And I was like, who, me? Are you talking to me? What? Me? It couldn't be me. (laughs) I was trying to explain this to my mom. I was like, mom, you've got to realize these don't just come from nowhere. Right. And she, she has the same things. And I'm, I'm like, mom, you've got to realize when you were younger, it wasn't taken as seriously. It's still not taken completely seriously, but it wasn't a thing back then. It wasn't yeah. taken as a normal illness. It was just a, oh, they could have something. Oh, they could. Be. You know, and nowadays it's taken a lot more seriously. A lot more people going, oh, there was no these problems when I was younger. No, no, people had these problems. It was just buried, you know, especially so for then, women back in the day. You know? Well, especially because so women are diagnosed or let's say girls are diagnosed far less than boys so most most because just the percentage wise most people who are diagnosed in adulthood are women because most boys are like most men have like they've caught on to that somewhere in adolescence um and then it's just like this whole mind-blowing thing of just like I wasn't broken this whole time. It's just like my brain works differently than, and this is where, this is the conversation I always bring up around ADHD because like my brain very much, it's not an illness. 
It is just how our brains function. And it's actually so beneficial in so many circumstances. But the society we live in, like the sitting at a desk all day, that's where ADHD does not work. But people, people who move, people who create things, people like so many of the people who have like done all of the change making throughout history i'll have to say probably had adhd right they're probably on the spectrum of neurodivergency oh yeah of course because, of course because they don't fit into that like box of where they're supposed to be and then the more we were as a society pushed into that box of we're supposed to sit still, we're supposed to do things in this particular timeline, the more we see the diagnoses of people who are just like, these people don't fit in the box. But then there's that question of, are you supposed to, like as a society, are we supposed to make people fit in the box? Or are we supposed to teach people to build a life Different or a box that they fit in? Yeah, exactly. Uh, to do with the whole people being diagnosed back in time as well, I feel like people like scientists or musicians, mm-hmm. they they had diagnosis. Isaac Newton, for fuck's sake, he definitely had autism. Or Mozart definitely had autism or something like that because they yeah. were geniuses, but they were seen as crazy people. So I feel like, yeah, a lot of these people, there's beneficial parts to having these diagnoses like autism or ADHD. But a lot of people focus on the bad negatives. They go, I don't want my son to have autism, but it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Being able to connect with your your son or your daughter and have, have talk to you at an intelligent level, it's it's crazy, you know? And a lot of people just see the negatives, you know? They just see the extremes of someone who's extremely autistic, who doesn't have verbal skills, but maybe they're really good at some things. Right, but even some people who are nonverbal, they have an incredible intelligence in the things that interest them and they can make like you don't have to be verbal to make an impact on the world exactly that exactly there was um there was a show i think it was called the piano where this girl who had autism she was not really nonverbal. she was spinning her head when she she plays but my god when she played she was a genius her skills were absolutely incredible. And it just shows, you know, a lot of these people aren't being given the opportunity to shine where they could. Maybe they might not be nonverbal, but they might actually be fucking talented in something that normal people wouldn't ever be able to understand. This is the thing. Completely, 100% agree. Um, there's also the, we'll go with the the sick and sad, I just tangent real quick i realized i didn't turn on this light and i sort of look like uh, i know I'm, I'm trying to figure out my lighting i've got this little light here maybe turn this off. Oh, that's really bright um whatever at least both of my sides of my face have light now um but one of the other reasons that we don't see as much and i have this conversation with my mom sometimes because like, we like to think that we live in a world where all of these heinous crimes of the past are, like, in the past and, like, so far in the past. But I think in America, they were still, like, euthanizing and sterilizing people in asylums until, like, the mid-80s. Like, Jesus Christ. Like well, just, just, take, just take the world current events right now. Yes. Palestine and, and Israel. It's oh, some of the videos that I've watched are disgusting. There was one of a grandma running across the street with her son and the sniper just took him out while the kid was still holding her hand. And that's going on and everyone's going on with their lives like nothing's happening. I'm I'm just going on my day like nothing's happening. It still happens. It's, it's just buried a lot more. A lot of people don't want to care as well. This is the problem. Like A lot of people don't want to feel that guilt because they're not doing anything, which is understandable. We just want to get on with our lives, but... You've got to do something, man. You've got to, because it's just going to carry on. I I agree so much. And I. it's one of those things where 
people feel like they don't have the power to change like the large like political world things which might be true but at the same time you can look at it and say okay where can i help in my community so that these things don't have what conversations can i have so that because like for me that's that's where it is i live in a place that is very like my my viewpoint is not the larger viewpoint the right viewpoint, of yes, yes people here but for every political areas i'm assuming yes um yeah. um but even having like i had a conversation with my mom about palestine and israel and she's like well what would the solution be and i was like mom i don't I don't have the, if I had the solution to the Middle East, best believe I'd be over there. But the Doing fact of the matter yeah. is we can't, like as humans sitting in a house together, not have the conversation of where, where the, like what is okay, what is not okay. And because then we're all just pushing it down and we're all just like, well, we'll deal with that later. This, and and then later never comes. Yeah. Right. That's how the Holocaust happened. The Holocaust exactly. happened because people were like, I don't know, that's not my problem. Like, I'm just gonna stay out of it. Like, it'll work itself out. And then travesty happened. And then it happens again and again and again. And then there's people who are like, um, things I've heard people say of like, well, when the US was in Afghanistan, nobody was fighting for Afghanistan like they're fighting for Palestine. I'm like, first of all, we didn't have social media. Like, we didn't see those things firsthand. And yeah. if we did, yeah. best believe we would all be like, being like, that's not okay. But there's so, I have so many friends and family members who have served in the military, who served in Afghanistan, who came back and were like, I am like, I'm ashamed of what I had to do. I don't like they got out of the military because they were like, I will never let my government tell me I have to do that again because yes, it was yes. not okay. <laughs> yes, because they, they were probably fighting for a good cause. They wanted to do their country proud and they didn't realize some of them being manipulated to kill innocent people. You know, mm -hmm. the, what, what it is, it's a war between two people. It's, it's not the people, it's the governments that are fighting. Yeah. And it's using people as little fucking drones and stuff like that. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, I know it's awful because these people have good hearts. They go into the military thinking I'm doing good for my country and they're probably not ready for shooting people because it's a big thing. You think in the back of your head, oh, I could shoot someone. But then, you know, it hits you and you think that person had a life. Were they were they a person? Did they have a family? Did they have a job? You know, what I mean, you start to think about all that stuff. So, yeah, I really wanted to go into the army when I was a kid and older I got the more I realized I can't shoot anybody that's that's not what I could do personally I got a lot of respect for people that could do it but I can't mine was similar it wasn't that I can't shoot somebody but I can't shoot somebody on somebody else's orders without knowing why and agreeing with the reasoning like if somebody came into my house right now and attacked my family would I kill them 100 percent oh if yes if they attacked the family yes yeah, like, if I feel threatened, yes, I would do that. But I feel like I can share this because I'm not sharing names. But I had a friend who, in Afghanistan, he was a Marine, and he was given orders. There was a little girl who was standing in between him and his target, a, like a six-year-old girl. And he had, like, yeah, a five-year-old daughter at home. And he like he hesitated and they're like you have to go through her and he was just like i can't and they're like you don't have a choice and so he had to shoot a six-year-old girl through the skull and then when they went into their target there was nothing there and then he has to live with that for the rest of his life which is also why like i i don't know how Maybe you can inform me on this, but the American military has their thumbs in every fucking pie on the planet. Um, so 
we have a lot of veterans and we have a huge problem with veteran suicide because they get put into situations like I just explained and other things that they just are told they have to do or the government will essentially take their life away from them. And if not their physical life, their ability to like support their family and get a job and things like that, which is shady yeah, as fuck. Really, doesn't really um, happen to me over here. It's more of a, if you go into the army, it's more of, it's your choice. If that's what you want to do, you go into the army. It's not like something that's forced upon you. It's not like something you feel like you have to do either. Like, I need to fight for my country. This is what I'm proud of, you know. Because yeah. I personally went to army cadets myself. I went to army cadets for two years and then went, ah, oh, this is not for me, you know. So, but yeah, but you don't really get many veterans over here. And if you do, they're probably in care. <laughs> That's so... It's a big problem in America, I've noticed. It's, oh. a, it's a big problem with veterans and it's, you know, I mean, it's it's horrible. And you get a lot of people faking it as well. And that's one of the worst things as well, trying to get discounts and all that, trying to be a fake veteran. Yeah. But no, we don't really have those problems over here. Or none that I've noticed anyway. Yeah. Well, I think... I think America's problems stem from the military industrial complex <laughs> to yeah. use buzzwords, but <laughs> when I mean our defense budget is larger than every other budget for our government. And yeah, so we we pay more money towards military than we do towards education. And that doesn't say something. <laughs> yeah, that's what the rest of the world known as America is as well. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. The big military, the big spending on military. It's I I'm assuming it's probably the same over here. We probably have a huge budget for our military. I haven't put much research into it, but I'm assuming so because it's the way the world works. Yeah. But I know like America's military budget is greater than the next three largest combined. I do not doubt at all. Some of the technology that comes out of America is pretty fucking incredible. Absolutely incredible. But yeah, it's a lot of money spent on it when it could be spent on helping the people, you know? Yes. <laughs> what only that do was a priority. <laughs> yep. um, on a random yep. side note of just like, it's not really my pride thing, but I like to throw it out there just because I think it's cool. My great uncle, so my grandpa's brother, actually holds the patent for the missile-guided laser system. Wow, that's cool. I'm sorry, oh. but that's cool. Yeah, I thought right? it was cool. I've met the my, guy my once. Was, <laughs> I, mean, I, I thought it was pretty cool that my granddad was on one of the, uh, you know, the gunner ships on the yeah. military boat. I thought that was pretty cool, but nah, that that's pretty interesting. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> the missile-guided I mean, laser wow. He didn't serve in the military. He just had the big brains to create the tech that... It was a mini Oppenheimer. Yeah. <laughs> Except with computers. <laughs> computers, yes. Um uh, okay. So that was kind of depressing. Let's move on to something else. <laughs> um, which is sort of against the point I was just making that we have to have these conversations, but we had the conversation now, so it's fine. Okay, so I want to know. Um so you're you're a musician, so obviously beatboxing is one of those things. Um, what so um, first, what kind of music do you listen to? <laughs> I knew you were gonna ask this. And then second is what kind of music do you make? Right. So I have gone through many times where I've said I don't listen to this type of music. Uh, I don't listen to this type of music, but then I'll find a few songs in that genre where I generally like, like I, I used to say, I used to hate house music, but recently I've been getting into a lot of house and jazz. I can, I can really, I like the dissonance in some of the tracks, you know, but mm -hmm. I listen to mostly everything. I don't find mm, modern pop music is not my forte. That's the one thing I kind of, cause it's just regurgitated bullshit. And there's a lot of songs that they've, bought the the copyright to and they've made it into their own and i fucking hate it but my main interest is either anything edm anything like hard tech or hard trance or drum and bass jungle absolutely love jungle uh but i also love heavy metal and i love a bit of classical as well as well you know so I, i'd say i listen to everything really 
I know a lot of people say, oh, I listen to everything, but oh, I won't listen to that. That's crap. But I like mostly everything. <laughs> and for music I'm going to make, um, it would be fast, fast and hard. It would probably be something hardcore-ish with a lot of... <laughs> but I'd probably try and blend a lot of the, the musics together because I listen to every different type and I want to put them all together and make something new. But that's that's plans for the future when I get my own equipment and my own setup. But that, that's that's my plan. I love that. Um, EDM was mine, where I was just like, I don't like EDM. I'll listen to everything, but not EDM. And then I found like this one band that I like fucking love their shit. And I'm like, oh no, they're EDM. Now I can't say I hate all EDM. Yeah, yeah. I was having the um conversation the other day where I used to be so snobby about synthesizers I was like oh if it's a synthesizer it's not real music I want real instruments and then I heard one band that used a synthesizer so well as an instrument that I was like oh shit I can't say that anymore because they do it well and then so I I love YouTube music. I'm sure Spotify does the same thing, but I like YouTube music because that's where all my shit is. And I'll find one song that I just like play, will start playing on repeat, like I'll hyper-focus on it, right? And I'll be like, oh my God, I love this. And then it's just like, you might like these things. And I found so much good fucking music. Yes, yeah. SoundCloud's perfect for that. SoundCloud's one song a chance. And it's or, or yeah, yeah. You you so on SoundCloud you have a feature where you can start station. So what I do is I find that one song that I really like and I'm like, oh, start station. And I just start going through all the music. And I'm like, okay, well, this is a new genre that I absolutely love now. Like uh yeah. breakcore. I've really got into breakcore recently. Because I'm a big fan of liquid drum and bass, which is drum and bass with a lot of chilled tones to it, soul-like, and it's really peaceful and quiet. But then you've got breakcore, which is like that. But it's a lot of choppy drum and bass, a lot of hard beats with a really soft background. And I love the contrast and heavy and soft put together to make a fucking absolutely beautiful track. So if you like EDM and all that, try, try some breakcore. I can give you some great breakcore. people to listen to. It is a bit, it's a bit, um, it's a bit mental, but I know someone who has ADHD as well, I think you should happily set off a little tingles in your brain. <laughs> I love the songs that set off little tingles. The so I'm sure you've probably seen them on the internet, like the songs that are like this is for ADHD people, where they have the like essentially different harmonies playing on different sides, and it like makes your whole brain just like melt. I can't say that I have. I'm gonna have to look. Really, at that. if I can find yeah. some, I will send them to you because there's only been a couple of them, but. They're just like, like, it's one of those, I don't know why I like this. I just know that I feel like as calm as I've ever felt in my entire life. <laughs> yes, because when your brain's going, and you listen to music, it calms it down. It stops all those little goblins dancing around and they go, ooh, they start listening and it's peaceful and quiet. I, I think, I feel like I need music all my life as well. I I, I remember a lot in school, back in days when you had wires, I'd always have my wire up yeah. my sleeve hand on my little ear and I think that was a big problem in school of learning as well because I've just been listening to music and that was it yeah yeah but <laughs> I don't know I I agree music is there's even been times where like I'll be in the middle of like a panic attack and I will disassociate into music like I will just play something and I'm just like I just I need to be in the song right now and not in my body that's where I need yes. to be because yes. that chills me the fuck out and so there are some people who are like, like, they're trying to like calm me down on the outside. They're like, it's going to be okay. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. No, song. Give me, there's a song give me the chaos, and the song is going to do it. Give me the chaos yeah. in the air and then I'm happy. The goblins are stopped. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to call them ADHD goblins from now on. That's great. how I feel. I, I, I go to a lot of um illegal raves and I swear to God, listening to a big old dunk, 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 dunk for 12 hours straight. I go home and my, my brain's calm. I, I'm peaceful. My brain's not working at a million miles per hour. All the TVs have been turned off and it's peace and quiet. I feel like you need that sometimes, you know. I will be Definitely. honest, I've, I've never been to a rave. Um, I'm not 
I'm not uh, super fond of like being in large groups of people. Yes, I, I'm the same. I'm the same. <laughs> we go to the car to calm down for a couple of like an hour or two and go back out. But I, I'm exactly the same. Big crowds aren't my favorite. But for some reason, when it's loud music and it's a big crowd, it's oh, it's, it's brilliant. I, I, I also... honestly wish I could show you through my eyes what it was like, uh, 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 what they called as free parties, right? I have never seen so many characters. Like, uh, I don't know if you know what the show called Shameless is. It's this English show, and it's got these absolute characters. Everyone there looks like one of those people, and it's it's a sight. I'm, I look around and I go, England is not real. This is not a real place. These people do not <laughs> exist. I'd just love for an American just to see the scattiness, the grottiness. Beautiful. Well, a sight. <laughs> um... So I do, I, I do love live music, but I do feel like, so, and maybe it's just because, like, the music played at raves has stereotypically been the music that I don't listen to, but, like, I love, so Frank Turner is one of my favorite all-time fans. Yeah. He is English, so uh, if you don't know who that is, look him up. I do know Frank Turner. Oh, you do? Personally, yes, the because... Oh, yeah, if I knew him personally, yes. Everyone in England is so close. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, his sister lived in Fort Collins, which is like 45 minutes away from here for like a decade. So he was always up in Colorado. And like, I mean, I have friends who've met him numerous times because he's just super chill when he goes to shows and like, we'll just sit there and have a conversation with you. But um, anytime I'm at a Frank Turner concert, like I feel it's like the safest I've ever felt because they're all fucking Frank, Frank Turner fans, which yes. means they follow That's his true. rules of not being a dick. And it's just like, like they're your, like they're my people. And so they're your people. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Punk rock shows are my favorite. That's where my, like, I love a lot of music, but punk is like the thing I always come back to. And it, I love I think so I define punk as pretty much anything that's like against the man because I like so many like Frank Turner is folk punk I like the Ramones like not bad not like bad classic <laughs> <laughs> um like I grew up on the Ramones and the Clash and as I eventually got out of my very like whitewashed punk scene um <laughs> learned the history of punk and all sorts of other things but like i love gogo bordello which is gypsy punk and every time i play that for people <laughs> fucking look it up oh my, oh my god, god. Yeah. you okay. you might like it other people look at me like i'm fucking crazy but it's like and i'm like ancestrally i'm ukrainian and bohemian and so he's from the ukraine and they're all immigrants from various places so it has just like this gypsy uh, yeah. like folk feel plus punk rock and it is just like oh that's a good mashup no i'm gonna have to get them a, a fucking they have an accordion player named sergey who is just no. an accordion player oh my god yeah no yes. you've, you've got me you've got me and if that's <laughs> absolutely weird and niche i love i mean that's unique you know but yeah punk is where like if i had to say i have a, a favorite genre it's punk because even though I don't always listen to punk like it will always have my heart and punk shows like this is this is what I've noticed both working like going to them and also working at a music venue the difference between punk and metal shows punk shows there's a circle pit mosh pit whatever you want to call it and everyone's having fun and everyone's jumping around and they're skanking and they're dancing. And if someone gets knocked down, they pull them back up. At, a, at the metal shows, people are headbutting each other and punching each other in the face and everyone's bleeding. And I'm like, oh, can we can we get that guy off the ground? That would be great. <laughs> and it's like, they're, I don't know, like maybe punk is metal light, but like, they're the they got the crazy they got the vibe they got all of that energy but they also have the care whereas at the metal shows it's like 
I'm not sure we'll survive this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you need that sometimes though. I remember I saw um I saw Parkway Live, uh, Parkway Drive Live, and they were brilliant. I went into the mosh pit and oh my god, five minutes in, and I was like, oh, I can't. I need to get out. And it was brilliant, but it was the same kind of if someone falls over, straight back up. And it's the same thing at like um, illegal raves. If someone falls over, I have been many times where I've been off my face. I'm a bit wobbly. And I get a little balloon. And, I go, and then I wake back up and I'm like, what the fuck? I'm on the floor. Someone's picked me up straight away. And I love that. You know, that's what I mean. It's the whole you y'all all look a bit weird. Y'all, you might be I'm untrusty, but you listen to the same music. So I got a bit of trust in you. I've got I know you're you're a safe person. It's about the player, you know, the peace, love, unity, respect and all that. So, yeah, I completely agree with that. I like punk shows and all that. We had this one band, um, Hacktivist, uh, another band called Heart of a Coward. They are from where I live, and they are absolutely amazing. If you like heavy metal or anything like that, give them a listen, definitely. Uh, but when we go to one of their shows, it is one of the best shows I've ever seen out of any big band or anything like that. But it's the same kind of you fall over, they're picking you straight back up, and you're getting back into that mosh pit, shoved against the wall, shoved against the wall of people, and it's just it's just love. So, yeah, I, I completely agree. There are some metal veins, uh, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, some people go in with, I don't know. There, if you go, I feel like if you go into a mosh pit with the intent to get whatever you need to get out, it's different than when you want to take that out on other people that's yeah that's where i yeah. see it you see a few of the angry older 20 year olds that just love to push the little they see that yeah. they see someone young and they're like oh yes target boom push and, well yeah why are you so aggressive enjoy the music i think they must have got bullied when they were younger or something um i have a friend who's like one of my favorite concert goers with me because we're both like we stand in the back like this. We went to, <laughs> um, we were at Flogging Molly and Dropkick Murphys. And we just stood in the back and we're just like nodding our heads along. And like some dude came over to us and they're like, you gotta dance and like trust. And we're like, we're not like, we're not standing at the back. Like if we wanted to be in the mosh pit, we would be in the mosh pit. We are, we know. And like complete honesty most of the reason I stay out of mosh pits is because I have a very, um, how do I put this? I'm very <laughs> reactive, like, and not intentionally. Cause like I technically have PTSD. So like if someone comes up behind me and hits me, sometimes my brain will hit them back before I realize I've hit them back. And so I try to stay out of those. And my friend's the same way. So we're like, we're going to stay back here and enjoy the music. And if we want to dance, we'll dance. But we don't put ourselves in that. Like, I only go in a mosh pit if I'm in, like, a super zen place where, like, if someone runs into me, you don't I'm not yeah. going to clock them. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've only started to recently go into mosh pits a bit more because it it it's a it's a big bundle of people, you know. And a, a a raving mosh pit is a bit different to a heavy metal mosh pit. A raving mosh pit is more a conglomerate of people coming together, moving as one. While mm -hmm. a, a heavy metal mosh pit is more of a spinning death circle, you know. Yeah. Or you know, so uh, yeah, I do I do completely agree with that. Sometimes it's a bit too much. I don't like being touched or anything like that. You know, you just got to be in the right in the right mindset, the right, I don't care. I, I couldn't care. If someone touches me, I, it doesn't bother me and I don't want to swing for him. <laughs> so, yeah, I completely agree with that. Oh, man. What is... Do you have a favorite concert you've ever been to? If it's a concert, it would probably have to be Heart of Coward. They were the local, the local band and, oh, my God, it, it was just... The energy in that room, it was, we were, the whole of us were grabbing the banisters. We were moving the banisters so much that all the security came in like, can you fucking stop that? It was just so hyped. And it was only about 30, 40, 50 people in this little room. And it, but it was just because it was that the home bands come back. They've gotten pretty famous as well. They've been on Kerrang! and all that. So they're not just like some small little band anymore. 
And that was probably one of my favorite shows. I think I was 16 at the time. It was fucking amazing. Absolute madness. I love that. I love those kinds of, like, I love small venues. Do you know who Nefex is? No, I can't say I do. Okay. Um, look up Nefex. But I went to a show of his in December. And it was just in, like, this small bar in Denver. And, like, they have stickers and, like, locally drawn art and graffiti and shit all over the walls. And it was just 200 people. Like, that's fire code 200 people in a room like his stage was four feet away from me and it was just like fucking awesome Awesome. (laughs) yeah yeah like i remember watching frank turner when he would like when he would come through and he would do the smaller venues and things like that and it was fantastic and granted i think frank turner's fabulous everywhere but now he'll start, I don't know if you you probably don't know the Fillmore. I don't know why you would. There's so many places called the Fillmore as well, so it doesn't really matter. But, like, <laughs> his venues keep getting bigger and bigger. And the shows are still great. But it's just not the same as when you have that. It was a venue. It's the energy. Are the best. Yeah, they are, really are the best. It's it's this energy, man. It's, there's it's all the people that agree on they're all on the same level. They're not just going to be like boring and be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to come and see the show. They are there for that show. They are mm-hmm. there for having a good time. And oh, my God, they're not going to let it go. So, yeah, no, I, I agree. Small venues sometimes are a hell of a lot better. Like, I remember I saw Pierce the Veil when I was younger and it was a big, big venue and it was really good, yeah, but it was just a bit a bit too much. You don't have yeah. enough time to see like the bands. You know what I mean? Like downloads it was like, and all that. It, it was... L- and it might not be the same, but it makes my brain think it's like going to a Taylor Swift concert. You have a giant like football stadium where you're watching this person on a screen and like you paid a couple hundred dollars to see them on a TV for real because you can't actually yeah. anywhere near them. And like music's great, performance great, whatever. But it's just not the same as like it's you're right the up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely agree. I went and saw My Chemical Romance. They mm-hmm. came to our our city, and uh, we bought tickets on the day. We were like, "Fuck it, we've got money in our accounts. There's tickets. We'll go." And we were <laughs> right in the stadium. We were right at the top, and it was an amazing experience. But we weren't in the middle. We weren't there in the crowd. Yeah. It was more just like I could have done this at home. Essentially, I could have just watched right. the TV and done the same thing. It, but you know, you don't pay for that. You pay for the uh, for the experience. But yeah, no, hundred percent little venues. <laughs> Completely. Um. All right, we're gonna move into our game because cool. I feel like we could probably talk forever, and we do have a time limit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Question one: Name a celebrity that you admire and explain why. This is gonna be bad. Because it used to be Stephen Hawking, yeah? It used to be Stephen fucking Hawking. But with the Epstein list, it's kind of not Stephen Hawking anymore. (laughs) It would have to be someone of great intelligence. I'm a science person. I absolutely adore anything to do with science. do a lot of research on black holes and all that. So if anyone, it would have to be probably Brian Cox now. Because I I can't say Stephen Hawking, you know? Not Mr. Epstein, this Stephen Hawking. I can't do that anymore. So it would have to be Brian Cox because he's he's brilliant. He's passionate. He's intelligent. And I, I used to really like Neil deGrasse, but I find him a bit condescending sometimes, a bit arrogant. And I, But I like the way he teaches the not-so-smart generation, the generation that doesn't understand it yet, and he gets them into it. But yeah, it has to be Brian Cox. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to show my ignorance here, but tell me who Brian Cox is. He is a famous uh, scientist. You might have seen something from him. He's very soft-spoken. He, he speaks like this. He's re- got a really smiley face. Um, okay. I think he's English, though, so I don't think you'll, you'll probably see as much of him in America. But you, know, um, you might know see. him. So, like, is he a physicist? Is he an astrologer? Like, what? He... Biologist? I think I would be an astrologer. I'm I'm not gonna show my intelligence here because I don't okay. actually know. 
I just know he does a I, can, I can Google him. <laughs> yeah, you, you can Google. <laughs> but I think he's he's an astronomer. He does a, a lot of, on science and and the history of the universe and all that stuff. Okay, that's my Sweet. best bet. Um, celebrity that I admire. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. I when I don't like. There's not, I don't have a lot of celebrities that I'm like, like, there, there are definitely people who, if I met them, I, like, would want to shake their hand and be like, hey, thank you for just, like, being you and being, I'm, I'm not a fangirl. I'm not like, oh my god, that's a lie. The no, first no. time I saw Bon Jovi when I was 15, I definitely went like this. Uh, bon but... Jovi, 15, uh, I think I would be like that too, for fuck's sake. My very first real concert, I went with my mom, it was great. <laughs> um i was obsessed with bon jovi growing up it was everyone's like he's like 25 years older than you and i was like at at some point i knew like the exact amount of time he was older than me it was like 25 years four months three days and like 14 hours or something because i was obsessed Obsessed, yeah (laughs) but he was he was john bon jovi so like worth it anyway how could you um, like (laughs) and like Honestly, okay, let's just go with John Bon Jovi. Why not? Yeah, um, yeah, I admire him cool. because, I mean, he he made some pretty decent music for years. Um, I haven't listened to any of his new stuff in, like, probably a decade. So, whatever. But um, <laughs> anytime, anything that he made between, like, 1980 and 2000 comes on, like, within the first note, my brain's like, Bon Jovi? What? Like a dog smells a treat? You can just hear the actual note playing. Yes, you know, yes. exactly like that. Yeah. Um, but now I'd say I admire him because, so I admire him for a couple of reasons. He, even though he was super famous and had women throwing themselves at him forever, um, he married his high school sweetheart. Aww. And like they had rocky times or whatever. But like he found a woman, he fell in love with her. They fucking made it work and stuck it out. He is like a super duper family man and he's way into his community. So he's from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And what I know that he does for the most part now is he runs a soup kitchen. So he was just like, there are yeah. homeless people and people in need of food in my community. I am a famous person mm-hmm. with a bunch of money. So he built a soup kitchen, which he goes and works in like on a daily basis. He goes in wow. and he makes food and he serves it to the homeless in his community and like I love I love people who are successful and then then use their success to help others yes yes that if I got famous or if I got really rich that's exactly what I want to do open a shelter help out the homeless I'd want to do something with it but it's these people that sit on their money and hoard it and they're yeah do nothing with it like a, a fucking greedy dragon and they're gold you know and yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. Like Akon. Akon's a perfect example. He bought, he spent, I got like 500 homes fully for people in Africa. He he provided water to loads of villages. And I'm like, you, if you have the opportunity to change the blocking world, why don't you? What, why, why do you want to be selfish? I don't get it. I really don't understand it. Me either. Christopher has mentioned to me before, because he's like, he said that, he's he plans on being a millionaire someday and i'm just like not me i don't plan on being a millionaire and he's like why not he's like you could do it if you really tried and i was just like i would never be a millionaire because if i had that much money i would give that much money away exactly like what's the point in sitting on it i just i don't need a million dollars or anything (laughs) the only thing you need it for is be other people and that's it yeah oh this this is convenient. Next question. If you had the choice of giving $10,000 each to five different people, who would you give it to and what purpose would you specify? Easy. I would give it to my mom, my dad, my aunt, my nan, and one of my closest friends. Uh, I would help them out, of course, because, you know, they've helped me out all my life. Um, the family, that doesn't even need to be said for. Come on, we know it's family. You're going to do it but for... For one of my best friends, it would be for always being there for me because I find it hard connecting with people, finding real people. 
I've lost people of like nine to 14 years of friendships just over something stupid. Like I lost one recently over a, a girlfriend that he had who was um very, very crazy and completely controlled his life. And now he's out of my life. So, but yeah, I would, I, that's what I'd do. How about you? What would you do with your 10,000? Um, yeah, you're on, you're on the spot now. <laughs> I would give 10,000 to each of my kids. And for them, I would specify that they have to use that to invest and save so that when they become adults, they have something. Because that's one of the things that I got started on really late um, because we didn't have the means to invest and save when I was young. Um, I'm not going to specify it for school because I don't know if college is their route, but if they have it and start growing it and it's money they can't touch until it's multiplied in some way. Like that's what I would specify for them so that they don't have to start off at zero when they set out into the world. Cause that's really fucking hard. Um, three more people. Oh God. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, uh, Christopher, uh, <laughs> he's on the list. He's, he's, not even the list. A, he's not even an option. Fuck you, Christopher. You ain't getting shit from me, boy. <laughs> For anybody who's listening, that's my boyfriend. <laughs> They're friends. Anyway, <laughs> I'm telling you. Christopher. I'm telling them, by the way. I always say you wasn't even an option. It's not like. Oh, he'll find out, but he's going to find out early for me. Go on. Your next three people. Um, So my last three people, I would say... I mean, I I would say my two best friends and following suit with you. Um, But I think I'm going to have to make it even harder. So we'll go with... The third one will be Christopher. Um, I'm going to specify that he uses it to in whatever way he feels like he needs to to get himself like I don't want to say on his feet but like in a better situation. um like yeah t- so that so that he can be on his own and move into his own like his own apartment a place like a place for him and his dogs or whatever it is so that he can start that journey i can't think of the word i'm looking for but you get it you get it yeah um, yeah. The so last, yeah yeah um the last two oh my god why does that have to be five that's so many things so many, so many- I'm so lucky I had four family members I didn't have to think about. And then the last one, I was like, oh, bloody hell. <laughs> I mean, I could give one to my mom. She's, we we have relatively joint finances because we live together anyway, but I feel like this might be a little selfish. <laughs> I'd be like, mom, here's $10,000. Let's spend it on this project. <laughs> um, I don't think my mom would take $10,000 from me, even if I tried. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a little too much money for like when like she needs to borrow 20 bucks and she's like, I can't borrow $20 from you. I'm you're my daughter. And I'm like, I got 20 bucks. Like, I know you have cash at home. Like, just pay me back when we get home. It's totally fine. And she's just like, No, I can't. Um, (laughs) but it's not ten thousand dollars isn't as easy as like taking a 20 and then like slipping it in her purse so that she doesn't know that it's my 20, whatever. Um, okay. Fuck. This is hard. I would... Ooh, I know. I would take $10,000 and do, like, a small competition for young writers. Right. Um, so maybe I'll just do two. That's what I'll do. I'll I'll use the last $20,000 and make two two prizes for young writers to publish their first book. 
that's actually such a cool idea. Now I feel stupid. That's so cool. <laughs> you can help them get started. That is, yeah. oh, wow. That's, that's well, because publishing your own book is fucking expensive. And exactly. there's been a couple. So I was a substitute teacher for a while. And I'm a writer. And so there was um, there was someone in class one day. They were they reminded me of myself in junior high. Um, they're no offense to these guys. They're weirdo friends. Um, <laughs> for me, we were the creepy gothic kids. For them, they're like the I don't know what they call the uh-huh. yeah, uh-huh. but just uh-huh. whatever. Yeah. Whatever yeah. the outcast version yeah, of I've never, I've never made. fit in. I've always been the weird jigsaw piece of the wrong puzzle. Don't worry. Right. Don't take offense so, from that. Yeah, I don't know what, what they're labeled as now, but they're, they were the weirdos, right? And people were just like, oh, you're writing in your journal. And I was like, what are you writing? They were like, it's nothing. It's just a thing. I'm writing a, I'm writing a story. And I was like, oh, what's your story about? And I like talked to them about it. And they... Were just they told me what the story was about. I was like, that sounds really good. I was like, are you gonna publish it? And they were like, I'm 14. Like, what do you even mean? And I'm just like, <laughs> like, we live in a world of self-publishing now. Like, you don't have to publish it tomorrow, but is it something that you're like looking to put out into the world? And they're like, nobody wants to read my stuff. And I'm like, bullshit. Yes, they do. Like, oh, there's somebody always, there's, does. There's always a party for something, no matter what, what I've learned in this world, there's always gonna be people that love you, and there's always gonna be people that hate you. There will yep. always be those two. There will always be some niche people that like your stuff. So just put it out yeah. there. So yeah. <laughs> That's what I've been like. Anyone who there have been so many people who are like, I want to write a book someday. I'm like, okay, do it. I'll show you how. Yeah. Like, just I'll, I'll I, if you want help with all the processing of like how to publish your own book, I, I fucking got you. I'll show you whatever. Um, because there is like even if it's only four people who read it, like that's four people who have heard your story or heard what you have to say and that fucking matters exactly exactly that's that's what i've been struggling with recently i've been sitting in my bed and just i don't know every time i take psychedelics i have a big revelation and i go brandon what are you doing with your life you you have potential you're doing fuck all you're sitting there playing your xbox going to work and coming back and that's it so i said enough is enough i'm i'm fucking sick of that so i'm just going to do it and it's exactly that. Even if four people listen to the songs I put out, that's four more people that like my shit. And that is fucking something. At least you can say you did it and you didn't just do nothing. So yes, I completely agree with that. I love that. Always let people fucking shine, man, because there will be people that like your shit. See 100%. Okay, this is interesting. <laughs> None of these... Okay, last question. When do you think an eye for an eye retribution would be warranted? In a good cause, not in a bad cause. You do something good for someone, they do something good for you. That's where I think an eye for an eye is good. But when you take revenge on something, you'll take a revenge on yourself. Oh, tell me. Just, I've always tried to be the bigger person in life. And there have been times where I've gone, I don't want to be the bigger person anymore. And I've, I've been the arsehole and it's only hurt myself in the process. So... I think an eye for an eye is never a good thing because it makes the whole world blind, as you know, how the saying goes. <laughs> but if it's a good thing, if it's, uh, say, someone's helped you out, so then you've gone out of your way to help them out, then that's a good eye. You're both seeing them. You're both not blind. That's what I think. I fucking love that. <laughs> um, which And I've never even thought of it that way. Like, every time I hear that statement, I only see, like, that... Because uh, I was I was ready to say, never. It's never good. Never going to do eye for an eye because there's never a reason. But you just went and flipped the script. <laughs> and you're right. Like, it doesn't have to be... There doesn't have to be a negative connotation to it. And I like that a lot. So I'm going to just go with, I agree with you. You are right. Fucking sick. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so my last question for you. I don't know if it's even really a question. Whatever. Um, if there's one thing that the world needs to know, what is it? Love. Simply love. Love is all. Love is great. Love helps. Love heals. That's all the world needs to fucking know, and that's what no one knows right now. It's love. It's the... I'm sorry to go back to the Palestine and Israel thing, but 
if the people really spoke to each other, they, they realize that they're just people and they both have love in their fucking hearts and it's the governments that are fucking them over. That's what I think the world needs to know, man. It needs the world more love. But the way the world's going now, it's only fucking darkness. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just not good. As I get older, I, I, I'm scared to have children to bring them up in a world where things keep getting worse and worse. But I want to have kids. I think it's a beautiful fucking thing especially and yeah maybe the world's getting worse but you just you show them the best you know mm-hmm. that's my point that's and i, I think on the on the topic of kids i definitely had that same fear and still sometimes have that same fear with my ch- yeah. my kids because i'm just like what did i bring you into my god i'm sorry <laughs> um but in raising them like we have the power when we raise our kids to raise them to be loving empathetic humans and that is what is going to change the world that's what's going to change the world took the words out my mouth so yes you might be bringing them into a horrible world but they might be able to change that world and make that world fucking better so i'm always on the fence about kids (laughs) i think i've gotten to an age where i do really want them but yeah uh, i'd have to sort my life out a bit more of that but yes that is what i have to say (laughs) oh we're gonna ramble on for it (laughs) we i mean we could fucking ramble on forever i'm sure (laughs) um well brandon this has been fantastic thank you for joining me on the common humanity podcast and having a real human conversation with me this was (laughs) amazing 